announcement. The hemp revolution will not be televised. I repeat, the hemp revolution will not be televised. Welcome to the Hemp Revolution podcast, the global hotspot for the buzz and the cannabis. You can hear the stories of the green rush from the dreamers who are writing the rules, innovating the business, and changing history forever. Immerse yourself with the fascinating stories from the leaders in the hemp health revolution to learn how we are changing the game forever. Introducing your hosts, James Brinkerhoff and Sonia Gomez. I'm your host, Sonia Gomez, and I am here with my lovely guest, Molly Rose, a pioneer and incredible advocate inside of the cannabis and hemp industry, considered to be one of the go-to lady bosses in the space for marketing, advertising, and just overall building a cannabis and hemp business online. Molly Rose is here to share with you how, or with us, how she beat Big Pharma to save her own life, and I have a similar story. So beating Big Pharma to save our own lives is the topic of our conversation today. Let's give Molly Rose a big welcome. What's up, Molly? Thanks so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for having me on. This is one of my favorite subjects, and I am just so excited to dive into it. One of the most passionate things in my life. So excited to hear your story. We both have been in this industry for a super long time and I'm sure have many, many, many war stories that we can share. (laughs) But why don't we just take a second to introduce yourself to our listeners, let them know who you are, what you're up to in the industry and how you got started here. Perfect. So I am Molly Rose and I'm known as the queen of cannabis. And that's a nickname that's been given to me through numerous digital marketing circles as well as throughout the cannabis industry known for my marketing technique, but my journey didn't start there. I am actually so fortunate that I grew up in a family that put a very high value on holistic medicine and read into herbalist studies that were very well-researched and knowledgeable on the cannabis industry. So it was something I grew up around, but it didn't impact my life heavily until I was 12 years old and my mom was diagnosed with a very rare form of inflammatory breast cancer. And from there, I threw myself into a book. I spent the next 15 years fighting with big pharma, learning everything there is to know about cancer, chemotherapy, as well as the pharmaceutical industry and the difference between what we have available to us in the ground, as well as what we can get at our local CVS. So from that journey, I was able to help others just like myself and ended up becoming the go-to person for cannabis marketing as it's become legalized here in California. And here we are today. I love it. I'm originally from California too, and that's where my journey started with cannabis as well. Unfortunately and fortunately, it was through a medical condition. And so my journey with cannabis also started in California. That's where I'm originally from. And I would say fortunately and unfortunately, that's where most people's journey begins. Sometimes it's a recreational beginning. And um, most often as I'm starting to hear and showcase a lot more of these stories, it is some sort of medical challenge or failure of our trusted medical system, right? The, the system. It's a failure there that sends us down the rabbit hole of searching for our own medicines or a way for us to self-heal. And unfortunately, there's very, very 
few resources that are reputable and trustworthy when it comes to saving your own life or, or trying to share and save the life of a loved one. So tell me a little bit about your story there. I know that you were immersed in the culture and you know that your family was a part of it, but had you not had that information or foundation, how would you have even gone about finding a, a natural or holistic cannabis centric treatment for your mom? You know, my road would have been a lot harder if my dad hadn't prepaved it for me. I was so, so, so unbelievably fortunate that he had so much knowledge and had done so much reading way prior to us ever finding out about my mom. And let me take us back to December of 2016. So it's Christmas time and we're all sitting together out and my mom gets a phone call from her oncologist. It was the most heart-wrenching situation you could ever imagine. So she had a pimple on her breast and it wouldn't go away. It got a little bit larger. They thought it was a staph infection at this point. We had gone into, obviously you start with your family doctor and go from there. At this point, we had been to maybe seven or eight specialists. They asked how many times she had left the country. My mom is the typical suburban soccer mom at this point, right? She's got two young kids. She's stay at home. She doesn't travel past the baseball field was her joke. And here we are seeing this infectious disease specialist. Turns out after seeing a handful of doctors, no one could diagnose her. And our journey started on Google, which is ironic because this is where most people's journeys start. So it's 2006 and we were on Google. Some gentleman saw the Google searches and things that I had posted in the forums and his wife had recently passed away. So he reached out to us and said, read this email or die. And he says, you have inflammatory breast cancer. Your doctor doesn't know that it exists and they won't be able to diagnose you. Go get a punch biopsy. So we do this and fast forward to December 16th, we get this phone call. I was actually having a party at the house, kicked everyone out and that is smack where our journey started. So we went to several different oncologists until we found this woman who could actually provide treatment to my mom. We went- Hold on a second. You went from- Specialist to specialist to specialist. And some guy on the internet diagnosed it. And he was right into self, self-searching through Google. And this random stranger contacted you and said, go and get this checked out. And that's how you found out what kind of cancer your mom had? Yeah. It was that crazy. And, you know, I think that's such a good highlight when we all sit and talk. We have this tendency to believe that our doctors and our medical professionals know best. And in a lot of ways they do. However, we forget that as advocates and as patients, we do know more about our own cases because they're our cases. And we tend to shine off other strangers and other people who have been through the same thing. But the truth is this gentleman knew more than every single specialist in the room because he lived it. He went there. He was at every chemo appointment with his wife. He knew the inside and outside of this cancer. There's, a, there's another really major challenge, and, and let's just take a second to, to look at what the challenge actually is when it, when it comes to, you know, big pharma or the medical system or the system in general. It, it is a cookie-cutter model that has been presented and that we have been hand-fed for generations now, 50s, 60s, 70s. We were taught and, and built and programmed to believe that our government and our medical system and all of the tools supplied through that chain were the end-all, be-all and the highest possible quality. And at one time, that may have been true, but over time, 
in the last, and you know, let's say 80s, 90s, and now into the 2000s, we're really looking at a system that is considered and has been claimed to be broken. It is creating more slaves than it is survivalists. And even when you are a survivor, you are now a, a victim of the system. You are totally and completely dependent. You're always a survivor because you're always in survival. Yeah, in survival mode. We're not built to thrive anymore. And the system is not built to support us thriving in our lives. We are treated as a diseased or disabled you know, organism. And that's the claim that we tend to take on. We're overprescribed medications. We are completely dumbed down by the information that we're provided because it's so limited. It's only through one scope. We're being taught that medications are the way to patch us through to make sure that we are functional, to continue to serve the system that is putting us in the hole that we're in anyways with our health. We're not in this on average, a doctor is spending seven minutes with you in the medical space, no matter what your condition is. In seven minutes, how can you pack in what you're feeling or experiencing mentally, physically, emotionally, what your stress level is, what your nutritional practices are? These are all major, major contributors to how you're feeling and functioning on a daily basis. So it's no wonder that until you come in contact with a perfect stranger who's lived the horror that you're going down, that that's the first time that you get any, uh, you know, useful information that can, that you only have to take back to another doctor to analyze. Exactly. It was unbelievable. And I love what you're saying about the seven minutes because it takes longer to order burger from the drive-thru than it does to get a prescription for an opioid. It's so true. Out of control. It's so true. So true. Because, you know, the system is designed to create customers rather than to treat patients. And it's very interesting to me, along with what you're saying, that it's the physicians that are in a higher prescribing position that have a higher volume, whereas people like physical therapists and people in more occupational type positions don't get the respect, recognition, and credit they deserve when they're actually the ones looking at the mechanics of the body and spending half hour a week or more with these patients. They know if they bend over a lot because they have a small dog that they give them treats to, they know the ins and outs and the functions of each patient. So I'd love to see us give more credit to functional medicine. Yeah, it's a it's a mandatory practice to integrate. And that's why I love integrative medicine. Now, before I say the next thing, I want you guys, those of you who are tuning in here to understand that both Molly and I can agree that that traditional medicine, quote unquote, traditional medicine or modern day medicine has its place. Without modern day medicine, you know, I would never want to go and get a surgery. Don't hand me a stick or a piece of leather to bite into while you amputate my leg or give me surgery. I want the drugs. Put me out and give me the drugs for a week after, like I'm all about it, you know? So it definitely has its place. And at the same time, I think that integrating holistic health, which is the true traditional medicine, integrating in the knowledge and expertise around nutrition, you know, remedies, Um, nutritional supplements, so on and so forth, is a way to give total body wellness. Now, with all of that being said, yes, great, there's a place for everybody. I am also going to highlight something that you said, Molly, which I think is really super important information. This is a business that is built on creating customers. 
Customers are created through prescriptions. A doctor gets paid more to prescribe than he does to heal you. Okay, big pharma, and in a second we'll dive into the battle of big pharma here, but big pharma is a $5 billion business that is daily advertising daily advertising through commercials through radio um through visuals billboards advertising to us and our children and it is prepping the next generation to ask for a specific medication whatever the hottest new drug is humira went from nothing to the number one recommended medication on the marketplace inside of a 12-month period because there were billions of dollars worth of marketing going out to the masses every single month. That is insane it statistics. It really is. And you know what I want to touch on that's very interesting? You highlighted it in the beginning of our conversation, and that is in earliest documentation about 1913, up until about 1930, cannabis was the, one of the most prescribed medications. And what's ironic about it is it wasn't in the flower form. It was in tinctures and topicals. It wasn't until 1930 when other prescription medication companies, which now make up what we know as big pharma today, got into the game. They realized that people were growing out on their own and were no longer able to buy from them. This is also because of immigration and different practices and different functional medicines coming over from different cultures, that they put the lock right there on cannabis. And as we're talking about commercials and things, we can't even run ads without experts like you and me getting in the middle of it. The average person cannot run an ad for something that grows out of the ground because that rule from 1930 is still in place. So that is a perfect segue to say in part two of this interview, you guys, we're going to be diving deep into explaining how we've used this battle with Big Pharma to build successful businesses in this space. Um, and at the end of this interview, you can see the link to get over into part two where we're talking about all of our business ventures through the cannabis space. But I want to get back to the story about your mom because I think it's so fascinating. And for those of those of you who are listening right now who are wondering, will this work for me? Is there an answer, a resource, a person that I can get connected to who can help me help me understand how I can use cannabis or hemp to manage or work with the condition that you have? I don't want to say treat. I don't want to say cure. Those are not compliant or realistic words to use. But I can continue to share with you case studies and stories of people just like Molly, myself, her loved ones and family who have successfully used holistic medicines and practices to literally save our own lives and not survive, but thrive. So Molly, take me back to this moment in December where you get this diagnosis, you get the information and confirmation that this is a very specific type of disease. What are your next steps moving forward? Give me the picture of how this looked and what you were up against in the following months. We were all devastated and we were all very confused. So at this time, just to give you a little mindset, we have all of our faith in our doctors and all of our faith in big pharma. You know, you get cancer, you get chemo, you get better, right? That's what we're taught. So we know we're going to do this. We go in to see the specialist that we finally get a hold of and they say, okay, well, three months and you'll be dead. Get your affairs in order. Goodbye. That was that. <laughs> and Don't you know, stop it. about 13 at this time right? I've just turned 13. I'm seventh grade. 
and my nose is in a book. Everyone is doing their holiday vacation and my nose is in every book you could ever find, which the information is very hard to find. And I do feel that for any of you listening that are going through the research phase, I know things are hard to read and I know that they put things in big words and make it hard for us to, (laughs) we have to have reference all of the time, but don't give up because there is a light at the other side and you are your own best advocate. So I'm going to take you fast forward. We went through numerous surgeries, numerous times that my mom had to be resuscitated or almost had to be resuscitated. There was one instance in particular where they just couldn't wake her up from anesthesia. And I remember one of her friends walking past all of the doctors, just pushing people and actually hitting her (laughs) to wake her up. So we were going through hell. I'm in and out of school at this point, uh, you know, between trying to manage home life and school life, I'm in and out. And at this point, when we go into doctor's offices, I've got 10 different little binders and I'm giving them the charts as if I was their intern. And I am also interning at a doctor's office because I want to become a physician at this point. So what we started realizing is, like many of you know, the chemo made her sick. The radiation treatments ripped her flesh, made her so sick. And there were numerous people giving us different holistic remedies, but it felt like things were so bad that we couldn't even deal with them. And cannabis was suggested numerous times, but my mom had a hard time consuming high THC cannabis. And I chose to stay away from that for her because I didn't want another psychoactive. She was already on morphine, both liquid. We were doing it at home into a pick line directly into our hearts. You can imagine this mother of young children and Oxycontin. I remember the first time we got Oxycontin, she was ripping her skin off thinking that she had a sweater she couldn't get off. So these are hallucinogenic drugs that they're prescribing and allowing these people to drive. Plus, you know, Norco every other hour, Vicodin was big at the time. And I'm just watching my poor mom have all of the side effects of these opioids on top of the chemo and radiation. So years go by and not only does she have to have numerous surgeries for her actual disease, but now she also has to have surgeries and other medications to fix the symptoms of the things that were supposed to make her better, the chemo, the radiation, the opioids, and the other um, different prescriptions. So I am watching, and this is right about the time that I realized everything I needed to know about our medical system. And that was, they kept giving her things that would fix one problem and cause three more. So for every one surgery we had, we had to sign up for five or six more. And I realized it wasn't much different than when you go to your esthetician or you go to your hair salon and they've got a product for everything. You get your service, you get more products, you get a quick haircut, you got to get a trim. I felt like I was, and I have a history in the beauty industry that was kind of my side job. It allowed me flexibility to work with my mom and be in and out of school. It was just like what I was doing there. I realized we were going to a business and this business did not have our best interest in mind. And through my reading and through functional remedies, along with what I had from my family and what I knew about the cannabis market, I was actually having to find Marinol and CBD, which you couldn't buy at the time. So people having to find it on the street and bring that in. So there was a huge, huge risk there in doing that because some insurance companies will kick you off of your insurance. So all of those other necessary steps that you're taking with your oncologist, with, with your other specialists that you now have to see would be completely taken away from her. So we had to be very careful about how we were dosing. 
But I noticed immediately when we could remove the THC from the equation in my mom's case, because she has a hormone-based cancer, she was able to find peace. She was able to eat again and not throw up. She was able to do small things. And what we didn't know, because we didn't have the lab results and someone measuring and testing this for us, was how many small things were happening within her body and how much health we were able, able to see so quickly, the hair regrowth, the bone density differences. So it's been a 15-year journey. They told my mom she had three months. And at the time, I believe it was two or three years into our battle, we realized the longest living person with this type of cancer had only lived five years. Years later, I was able to link up with a company called Fighting for the Tatas, and they are an inflammatory breast cancer research company and foundation. And I was actually the CMO there for a while and have helped them to grow. And we have been able to connect with so many other women and men, men can get breast cancer, going through this. And we've seen women live 14, 15, 17 years plus with this disease. Wow. I think there's actually someone at 20. And being able to do the research and find out about different cannabis methods and extractions, CBN, CBD, different phytocannabinoids, and bring those in has completely revolutionized the game. Completely. I am so blessed to be able to sit here with my mom right now, and she's here. But what I do want to say is I watched all of those drugs take a toll on her body and on her mind. If we had seen and we had access to microdosing, if we had access to more functional medicine and cannabis back then, we would have shortcutted 15 surgeries and years of, I mean, she's had to have all of her teeth replaced because of the chemotherapy and because of the opiates. It would have, it would have allowed me to go to high school. It would have allowed me to finish college. It would have allowed all of us to have family vacations instead of spending holidays in the hospital. So having that out to other people, if I can change other people's lives, that is why I do everything I do. I'm going to get choked up as we're talking about it. Um, it's and okay to cry, girl, because let's, <laughs> I mean, let's just talk about that. First of all, that is an incredible story. And I know that both you and I um, are consistently inundated with a major influx of these type of stories on a daily basis. Every single day, um, just as a result of the work that we do, there are people contacting us and letting us know and sharing like, here's my results. Here's what I was able. They want us because we're spokespeople. They want us to have access to the information and experiences that they're having. So we have these types of stories all the time. And although it is a beautiful, wonderful, refreshing thing to be able to celebrate the lives that are saved. It's almost bittersweet to think like, look at how much time and energy and resources were spent and the lives that were lost in the meantime. And that is what makes me so frustrated and what makes me put on my armor every day and warrior up to big pharma to take, to fight this battle. It's not for me or the people's lives who have, who have been won, but for those who are still fighting it out and in areas of the country or world where this information is not so accessible, where there is not people and places, you know, around the corner or across the state line where you can gain access to this type of stuff. I mean, people's lives are changing every single day. Medical refugee movement where people are leaving, you know, lineages of, 
land and community only to move into a legal state because their child are having hundreds of, of seizures a day or you know looking at farmers who have been cultivating artisan product and, and really high level product for the consumer and are all of a sudden losing their health their wealth their freedom you know being thrown into jail and having to see their family go into ruins over over this plant and it's absolutely disgusting and it's disturbing talk to me about the stuff that you came up against when introducing this holistic medicine as an alternative or as a combination that you wanted to use with the other medicines that the doctors were recommending it was terrifying it was the most terrifying thing I could ever explain to you because I was so young. Keep in mind, at this point, you know, I'm not 18 even. So being able to speak on it, you're terrified because it's illegal. So we're talking about an illegal substance that I'm procuring because you'd have to admit that you were procuring it and then that you're giving it. So you could lose your insurance. minor. <laughs> and I'm a minor. So then could my parents get in trouble? Could I end up getting myself or sibling in foster care. <laughs> and, you know, that's a segue that I'd love to talk about in just a moment is that system. But I was surprised. I had to really pick my battles and I chose to also come at it from an herbal standpoint and talk about other essential oils and use cannabis and a lot of CBD cannabidiol as a essential oil more so than talking about whole hemp. Yeah. Like I said, in her particular case, it is a hormone-based cancer. So using a high THC is not recommended. There's not enough studies on it. However, the studies I have seen, it hasn't worked out very well. So I just stayed away completely. But there were doctors who were willing to listen to the more essential oil argument, and they looked at it as a compliment. What I would love to have seen was talking about using it as a pain management tool. That's something we haven't talked too much about as an overall healthcare system or as a system, it lowers blood pressure, things of that nature. So not just as a pain management or for its psychoactive or intoxicating properties, but talking about the endocannabinoid system as a whole and where our receptors in our body are and what exact phytocannabinoids, I can't talk today, connect to what receptors and so we can actually extract that particular molecule and give it right to the patient to fix that thing. If it's a stomach problem, you know, we use something very different than if we're talking about neuropathy. So yeah. I would love to see that happen. But with the opioid crisis and what's going on there, I had somebody ask me recently, and you'll enjoy and agree with this, if I was concerned about the longevity of money in cannabis. And I said, what I'd like to see and what, how I would like to get paid is by watching the number of children in foster care due to parents getting hooked on prescription medication lower. That's the number that I want to see. Not my paycheck, that number. As well as the number of people who have had to bury a parent or in worst cases, a child. Giving your parent cannabis, not so frowned upon. Giving your baby cannabis, it's not something that we've gotten to a point yet that we can talk about. It's something that if you go into your doctor and explain that, you could be in jail the next day in certain places. Oh, yeah. They'll, they'll, even here in Colorado, like if you are a parent, and this, this is why I chose to do more of a holistic birth. And, and as I was going through my pregnancy, I went into the hospital. Let me uh, just to speak to this kid thing. Yeah. I have four kids. I'm a mother of four. 
Three are my stepkids. I've been a part of raising them since they were, since the youngest one was born, um, basically. And our natural instinct is to treat them holistically through nutrition, essential oils, natural supplements, so on and so forth. When I finally had my own belly baby, baby number four, I went into the hospital and there was this whole line of paperwork that I had to fill out where they were explaining to me their, you know, the procedures that they would go through, the things that they would be looking for. But then in this very small, you know, small print, small section of the paperwork is on your birthday, right? The day that you give birth, what will happen to the baby once it's born? And they test the mother for for drugs and they test the baby for drugs. So if I chose to use cannabis to manage my nausea or any, you know, help me sleep or alleviate pain and it was traceable in my system, that, that would be feeding into the baby's bloodstream and be deemed as a threat to the baby's life, put the, putting the child in danger and putting me in the hands of CPS and the system and putting me in jail before the baby was even born. Now I'm a cannabis user. I'm a cannabis advocate. There's THC in my blood. I, and I'm kind of squishy, you know, like I'm not, I, so, this. <laughs> yeah, I got some meat on my bones. So there's no way in God's green acre that you're not going to find THC if you swab me. Okay. Like it's staying in my system. <laughs> I'm going to have THC in my hair until the day that I die. So if you try and test me for cannabis, it's I'm guilty. Guilty is charged. Okay. I use it. I love it. And I, and I advocate for it. And my kids, they are educated about it. They understand it as a medicine, but my baby girl, you know, would not have any of it traced, but because they could trace it in my blood, it put her at risk to being a part of the system. Very fucked up. So I decided to go with my midwife and it was such an empowering experience because I was one of those girls who had the most horrible pregnancy ever. I was sick every day, throwing up 18 to 20 times a day, sleeping at the base of my toilet because I was getting sick so often, on bed rest with Earl. I mean, you name it, I had the complications. And I used cannabis to alleviate a lot of those symptoms, topically, nutritionally, as a, you know, hemp is a part of my daily supplement and intake. And I firmly believe that when I could eat, it was because I was using cannabis, that when I did hold food down, it was because of cannabis, that when I did go into labor and I was using cannabis topically, that that's why I had such an easy, stress-free, virtually, you know, I don't want to say painless, but very relaxed birthing experience. Now, the system that tries to take the power away from the mother and the child in their natural setting and flow awful. And I want to just speak for a second and to relate to the story that you told about, you know, going through several, several specialists and, and really being overprescribed and how one medication gave you three more symptoms that you had to treat and how that really turned, got me locked into that system. I was a, a healthy, thriving teenage girl who hurt herself doing the things that I loved the most. I, I hurt myself surfing, but one of the things that I loved the most. And it triggered this whole symptom inside of a series of symptoms that was like seizures, neuropathy, um, mu severe muscle cramps. I mean, my entire body would coil and cramp and, and start like seizing. I'd be like, you know, twitching. And the only thing different between 
the, a seizure and the, what I was experiencing was the fact that I could still verbally communicate. So it was like these body convulsions and, you know, sleep paralysis and all of these horrible things. And it was never the most painful part for me was not the actual symptoms or syndrome. The most painful part for me was, and this is going to make me cry. It does every time. You're going to make me cry too. (laughs) Was watching what my illness did to my family. All of a sudden being the oldest of three, my mom's focus shifted from our family to me. And my sisters got the short end of the stick. I was, they couldn't do certain things or go to certain places or experience certain things because of me. And so I started to feel guilty and depressed and ashamed and started to think about ways to end my own life because I was such a, I felt like I was such a burden on my family. And we spent years, I watched my mom's, you know, mental and physical and emotional health spiral as she adopted this by any means necessary type warrior, you know, mentality where she wouldn't take no for an answer. She missed days of work and lost her job and, you know, quit college when she was trying to further her education and better herself. She quit all of that and put herself aside to fight for me. And I hear that same type of thing happening in your family when you were such a young girl. And it's so confusing and frustrating to have a hundred percent of your faith in a system that is not built to serve you. And I went through tens of thousands of hours of medication, tens of thousands um, of hours of experimental testing and traditional testing and anything that they would throw at me, injecting and filling my body through full of dyes and medications that would were bleeding the life out of me. And at the peak of my illness, I was a hundred pounds overweight on seven different medications, stuff to wake me up and put me to sleep. And it, I, I just, every day that I looked at myself, it was a darker and darker image of the girl that I once knew and loved And I remember it like it was yesterday. I finally got in touch with a holistic neurologist who sat me down and listened to me talk about not sleeping, not eating, not being active, you know, not wanting to participate in things that would otherwise make me happy. And he stopped me before I even got to the pain stuff and said, Sonia, if you can't sleep, if you can't rest, you can't recover. Right. And he introduced me to cannabis and not just like the cannabis that you want to smoke and like, you know, consume at a concert. It was the cannabis that would nourish my endocannabinoid system. And he introduced me to that. Here's your endocannabinoid system. Guess what? It's in everybody and everybody needs to know this. And at one point history allowed for our nutrition to deliver cannabinoids and you know, this was all a natural thing, but now you have to do it manually. So he talked to me about strain selection, microdosing, how to use phytocannabinoids to nourish yourself, how to, you know, do strain selection in a way that would, you know, serve me during the day and in the evening time. That's and so important. 
I know it's so crazy. And so I'm listening to you tell your story and I'm like, Oh my God, I can relate to this so deeply. And I haven't really heard somebody with the knowledge and experience to be able to break it down like that. So it's super interesting to hear you say all of that stuff. Cause I'm just like fucking a yes. Like this is the information that needs to be made available because without it, we are continuing to lose the battle to big pharma. And this is a battle that both you and I have won against both the legal and the medical system. You do not have to be a victim of either one. You have to become self-aware and care enough to do the research and get educated yourself in order to find the answers that you need and want for your own well-being. I could not agree with you more. That fight is so important. And to segue into insurance just a hair, I think one thing that keeps people from fighting is the fact that you've got to work in order to maintain that insurance for yourself or for the spouse or whoever it is. I know that for us, my dad having to keep that job and work overtime to afford all of the extra things that were coming in made it so that he, the other adult, could not be there and fight. And so being your own advocate or finding an advocate is so important. And there are centers all over the world that there are people like myself, like yourself, who are there to, I will take you to a doctor's appointment. I have volunteered in our groups that we run numerous times to just, I will go, I will yell for you. I will be your backbone. Uh, And have you noticed as you become a cannabis advocate and a health advocate, you find yourself almost becoming an advisor as well. But it's very interesting to me now, and I'm sure you'll have this exact same story. When someone gets hurt or they're going through a high blood pressure situation or maybe something more serious, they will call and they will ask, hey, what's the herb for this? Or can cannabis help me with that? Or what, what strain do I need? Can I have an extraction because I am going to need a low THC or no THC because of my job? How can I do it? What's the best way to ingest it? And next thing I know, I'm at someone's house going through their pantry, pulling white sugar pulling stuff off the shelf, <laughs> buying herbs. And I'm like, okay, have you noticed that nutrition has become very huge part of your life as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, here's, here's the secret that nobody wants to tell CBD and cannabis. It's all becoming this huge marketable buzzword, right? Everybody wants to be a part of the green rush. Everybody wants to be a part of the industry. There are few and far between who are actually, you know, um, what we call a part of the brotherhood, people who have pioneered this industry, people who have true stories and understanding of the in, in, the nuances of, of being effective in this treatment. And we are really fortunate to be tied into that inner circle of practitioners and, and patients who are self-taught and, you know, scientists and doctors who are globally working to showcase the results that are possible when utilizing this plant. But we introduce a concept. I've developed a whole training called the Natural Health Coach Certification around this concept, the multi-prong approach. If you are taking cannabis and expecting it to heal your, you know, gout or your diabetes or your rheumatoid arthritis or autoimmune condition, and you're using cannabis, you're smoking it, you're doing dabs, you you got awesome flour, but then you like you're on your way home, you got some munchies, and you roll through McDonald's or <laughs> or Burger King on the way, or perhaps stop and need a foot long Subway sandwich or grab some KFC to 
for a quick fix. Like, listen, honey, Domino's, McDonald's, <laughs> these fucking you know, Boston market, like that shit is not going to help you. Cannabis is not going to heal the damage that is done from a daily Starbucks and a fucking donut. Okay, my friend, like you can't fix years and years of bad habits with, with smoking a bowl and taking some tincture. Like it is something that you have to become really hyper aware of is like, what am I doing on a daily basis that is nourishing my ability to thrive? That is the name of the game here. We are living organisms and we have to be nourished so that we can thrive and cannabis and phytocannabinoids and hemp and CBD and CBN and all of this stuff that is being shoved down your throats right now is marketing plus <laughs> words. Yes, it's all true. And if you're not doing things to nourish the mind, your body, your spirit, working through the emotional shit and baggage that all of us are carrying around, you might as well fucking stop smoking weed today if you're not willing to address the other stuff. You know, like it might make you feel good for a little while, but so does crack cocaine. Does that make it right? No. You got you really gotta figure it out. More. And honestly, I look in my own house to big box food companies and big pharma under one umbrella. Some of the money is transferred back and forth. I won't get into the specifics, but it is one general umbrella when it comes to lawmakers and what is and isn't allowed. If you guys take a second to read your box of cereal right now and Google each ingredient and then Google some household components that are in there and then compare it to a plant that you can grow in your backyard, the stigma is not about what's in the bottle or what's in the plant or what's in the box of cereal. The stigma is about the legalization. Yep. The stigma is about money, not ingredients. Yep. And that's the battle that we're all up against right now. So when we talk about the battle of big pharma and how we're fighting to save our own lives, it really comes back to the self-aware care. If you are not nourishing your mind daily with real information and, you know, working to be in a transform in transformation mode, right? Like, every single season your body is changing and shifting and you have to be in tune with that rhythm. You have to catch your rhythm and what you put in your body is what's going to come out of your body, whether it's, you know, cancer or poop or barf or sweat or whatever it is like it's come, it's moving through you in one way or another. So you, you have to make sure that that is, is just of the highest quality that you can have access to. You know, I wanted to say that be, even though I was raised in an environment and in a, in a family space where holistic medicine was king, plant medicines, you know, whether it was cannabis or cactus or, you know, whatever it was, my family was all about the holistic, holistic approach to health and well-being. And even in that fully immersed culture and belief system, it wasn't until my own pain and suffering was so severe and that this doc this particular doctor with this specialized knowledge gave me this routine to follow did I become responsible for the what I was doing and how I was doing it and so I encourage all of you guys you know here's some of my results and Molly shared the results that her mom and family were able to celebrate after three months of following this regime I had reduced all of my medications down to one. 
After six months, I had eliminated all over-the-counter and prescription medications. After nine months, I lost 100 pounds. And after 12 months, I was completely back to normal. Okay, so it is possible for you to thrive. It is possible for you to heal. It is possible for you to, you know, make a safe and sustainable transition from, you know, this this medical system that is enslaving you with and, and addicting you to the process and procedures, it's possible for you to make a sustainable jump and transition. But it is impossible for you to do it solely with cannabis and hemp. You have to be committed to total body wellness. Molly, in as as we segue here into our our part two of this interview, can you share with me some of the impactful stories or what is your why? Like when, as you are working with all these incredible people, as you have come through, you know, this battle with your own family and as you are becoming a community liaison and support system and pillar really in this industry for both health and business, what is the thing that you are most committed to every single day? The thing that wakes you up and gets you out of bed to do what you do? So it's twofold. And the most important one, anyone who's ever spent five minutes with me knows, I jump out of bed on fire because my goal every day is to throw a brick through our system and shatter it. It's broken and we need to work together to rebuild it. There is so much good in our current system and so much brilliance and innovation. And there's so much that we left behind in search of progress and in search of financial well-being. The one thing that if I could leave every person listening is to break the cycle. We are getting hooked on fast options in our food. We're not reading and we're not being given the information we need. So there's a lack of understanding on how to find reputable information. I know a lot of people, I was just on the phone with my grandmother last night, read this great article, was telling me all about it. Check your sources. Learn how to check reputable sources. That's number one. Find out what you're reading and who you're reading it from. That is a huge thing for me is putting out good information and being a content marketer. The second is we're in this circle. We eat bad food. It makes us sick. We get hooked on medication. We eat more bad food. The medication makes us more sick. From there, we become in this wheel and we don't get out of the hamster wheel. We become a perfect customer. So that is my number one battle. My second is, of course, like I said a little bit earlier, it's to help every single person like myself, like my mother, to bring hope. I have one client who I adore dearly who went through a very similar story to mine, but unfortunately, his mom did not survive. And so their why in their business is to, just like myself, to make it so no one else has to deal with that burden again. And also to make it so that people should have access to options. You don't have to use cannabis, but you should be allowed to. There is a safe option out there and we should all have access and openness to it. We should understand what it does and release that stigma so that we can start research. We can't do medical trials right now in so many places. We went to Senate last year actually to get a national day made for inflammatory breast cancer so that we could start some clinical trials. And in working with UCLA, we're not able to bring cannabis into those trials yet. So that is a huge thing for me is to find cures and to find functional answers for every single person, whether it's your paper cut or old tennis injury or it's life or death. I absolutely love it. And one of the things I love about being in this space is we, we also have a very similar mission. 
uh, many of which you guys are a part of. It is our mission. I will say ours because Molly and I are it totally is. alive. <laughs> It's our mission to bring the truth about cannabis and hemp and other natural remedies that can transform the way that you feel and function on a daily basis into the light. And for so long, for whatever reason, we have this, this, and this type of approach, this type of medicine, I won't just make it exclusive to cannabis, but this type of approach to health and well-being has been put into a stigma that is so negative. And we have been having to fight every single day for our rights to safe and legal access to medicines just like this. Every single one of us deserve to have the option on how we want to choose to treat ourselves, the people that we love, conditions that we may be suffering from, but also get the opportunity that we want and need to thrive instead of just survive. The system is built to keep you trapped, and we have to find the key to get out of that system that is locking us into a specific result. Listen, every single one of us are going to die, but it's not about when we're going to die, but how we are going to live. All of us are living in this moment, and we get to choose whether we're going to survive or thrive in this gift of life. And it really is the present that you are in is a gift. And you have to be conscious about how you're living in this present moment every single day. So make sure that you tune in and check out the more episodes of On The Rise podcast where we're featuring more incredible entrepreneurs and um, health stories just like Molly Rose. We are going to be doing a part two segment of this interview to talk about how we have leveraged the knowledge and experience that we have had to build multiple six-figure businesses in this space. And for those of you who are considering joining the Green Rush for either a health advocate or a business advocate, you're going to want to tune into this next episode because we are going to be sharing with you some key secrets that you need to know to succeed in this space, both as an advocate and as a business professional. Molly, where can people find you to get more information? The best place to find me actually is on Facebook and it's just at Molly Rose. My website also is mollyrosemedia.com forward slash home. Awesome. So excited. You guys check out at Molly Rose on Facebook or mollyrose.com forward slash mollymedia.com forward slash home. Check her out if you guys want more information. Good friend, an excellent advocate and a resource inside of this industry known as the queen of cannabis. We'll see you guys in part two of this, of this interview. See you guys soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to another rock star episode of the Hemp Revolution podcast. I'm your host, Sonia Gomez. And just for you, we took notes on this episode along with the links and other resources mentioned inside of today's show. Get them for free right now by going to theemeraldcircle.com. Now, if you want more on this, please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcast or wherever you like to listen, and you will be automatically entered in to our monthly giveaway where you can get swag bags, all kinds of cool gifts and discounts from our guests and exclusive offers that are only mentioned right here in the Hemp Revolution podcast. I can't wait for you to share this with your friends. With your help, we've been able to impact millions of people's lives around the world with the truth about hemp and cannabis. And we know that you love us so much that you're going to leave a review and rate us right now on your favorite platform to absorb content just like this. Now, 
we challenge you to dream big and love the life that you live. Thanks so much. And we hope to see you on our next episode of the Hemp Revolution podcast. Ciao for now. Thank you.